Well, good morning. Our scripture reading today is Matthew 18, 23 to 35. The parable of the unforgiving servant. You have already seen it enacted, so now hear the words. For this reason, the kingdom of God may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, the Lord ordered him to be sold together with his wife and children and all his possessions and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him by the throat, he said, pay what you owe. And when his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When this When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. When his Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay the entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Matthew six twelve, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Well, as we begin our time together, I hope I can keep your attention. I neither have puppets nor money. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Someone has once said there are probably really only about seven or eight themes to sermons. If that's true, I firmly believe that forgiveness has to be one of those themes, doesn't it? Forgiveness, how important it is to our lives. Jesus speaks often about forgiveness, and he does so as strongly as anything else he says. Forgiveness is at the center of the Lord's prayer. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgiveness is central to so many parables and stories of Jesus. In this particular passage in Matthew, Jesus had been teaching about how to live together in relationship as God's people. He had just given instructions about what to do when you had a conflict with someone. What to do. 
You go and you confront them, but always, always, always striving for restoration and community. And it's at this point that Peter asks a question. So if someone sins against me, how many times must I forgive? Is seven times? Now, before we're hard on Peter, that was actually extravagant in their culture. You could uh, rely on all kinds of things that had to be uh, verified and, and hoops to run through before you even had to forgive somebody once. So he was going the extra mile. He was being a good disciple. He was saying, I'm, I'm listening. I get it. Seven times is that extravagant enough to which... Uh, so now Peter... Uh, it, so in, and so anyway, if some, seven times. Now Peter knows that forgiveness is absolutely essential to being a faithful disciple and follower, to faithful living. Indeed, forgiving seven times seems quite extravagant. Surely that has to be enough, enough faith, enough love, enough forgiveness to please God. But Jesus says, not seven times, but 77 times. And also there's some translations that say, it's not 77 times, it's seven times 70, which is 490. But the point is not the math. The point is countless times. And that, in fact, if you're calculating it, Try not to calculate, because that runs counter to the heart of God and what God wants for us. Forgiveness is supposed to be extravagant. Forgiveness is supposed to be uncalculable. It's supposed to be our way of life. Disciples forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive. It is our way of life. That is Jesus' strong and continuous message. One of my favorite books and pastors that I've used to model in my ministry is named uh, Pastor David uh, Siemens. And uh, he is a pastoral care counselor. He wrote a book called Healing for Damage, Damaged Emotions. And um, he's Methodist, which I'll forgive him. <laughs> but he goes so far as to say this about forgiveness and our way of life. Woven into Jesus' parable is a picture of human relationships. The world is made for forgiveness. It is made for grace. It is made for love in all of life. It is in every cell of our bodies, in every interpersonal relationship, we are made for grace and love and acceptance. Now, we hear a lot about this monetary transaction, but, uh, you know, we even hear about that and we understand that 
Uh, it's part of the prayer. One of the big, biblical descriptions of sin is a violation of God's laws. When we break those laws, we are, in a sense, in debt to them. The words ought and owe come from the same root. To say, I ought to do this or I ought to do th- uh, that is like saying, I owe it to God, or I owe it to this person to do this or to do that. And what is true about God's laws is also true in the realm of interpersonal relationships. We feel oughts and debts to one another. When we sin against another person, we often say something like, I feel as if I owe a debt to him. Or we might say, on the other end of this transaction, I feel she owes me an apology. When a person is released from prison, we say, has he or she paid their debt to society? So this brings us to the parable. When the king decided to settle his accounts, He found that one servant owed him a fantastic sum of the fantastic son a, a sum of ten million dollars. Now, in that day, ten million dollars was something. If this day, especially after this last couple of weeks of debt limits in the trillions, ten millions is nothing. We might even know somebody that has $10 million at their disposal. But to give it perspective to that day and age, the annual taxes for the provinces of Judea, Idumea, Samaria, Galilee, and Perea were about amounting, the annual tax revenues for that whole region for one year, not one person, for the whole region was $800,000. So when Jesus says, this servant owes me $10 million, I think he's making a point. It may sound exaggerated, but a person's debt to God and to others is so great, it can never be paid back any more than a servant working for a few cents a day could ever save enough money to repay a debt of $10 million. The servant fell on his knees and he begged for mercy. And the word there was translated correctly when we heard it. It was mercy in terms of more time. Now think about how ludicrous that sounded. I need more time to pay a debt I could never repay. But we miss that point in that. He's asking for an extension, a time, a delay. Lord, have patience with me. Please delay. I'll pay it back, everything. Give me more time. 
And we see that the servant's idea of forgiveness was one thing, but the Lord's idea was another. The Lord, in his mercy, forgave him all his debt and released him. But still the same servant, as he went out, saw a fellow servant, a co-worker, who owed him merely probably about in the neighborhood of one day's pay. A measly few dollars. And he seized him by the throat and said, pay me what you owe me. And when the co-worker couldn't do it, the servant showed me no mercy on, showed no mercy on him, but put him into debtor's prison until he paid in full. Then the Lord summoned the servant and said, Look, I forgave all your debts, and now you treat your fellow servant this way? So in anger, the Lord de- delivered him to prison until he should pay all. Now, that's bad enough, but Jesus' next statement is the real shocker. So also, my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Ouch. So here's the deal. Most of us accept the premise, and that is supremely important to Jesus, that Christians, we get this, Christians should forgive. What we struggle with is how to practice it. So how do we move from where we often find ourselves, hurt, angry, victimized, abused, alienated, to where we say, I am more than that. God calls me to more than that. How do we get our minds and hearts from thoughts of anger and hurt and revenge to sincere forgiveness from our heart? And that is what Jesus wants from us. That is what Jesus wants for us. In order to move us from where we often find ourselves to where we need to be in terms of boundless forgiveness, Jesus tells that great story about a king and a slave, and the story is filled with circumstances so exaggerated in order to make the point. Could a king be so extremely generous as forgiving such massive debt from a lowly slave? Well, the point is clear. That is how much God forgives each of us. Could a slave forgiven so extravagantly then be so harsh with a fellow slave who had meager debts? Could someone actually walk out of the king's palace on a road paved by freedom and grace and then act with such cruelty to fellow slaves in debt? Well, the hyperbole makes the point. In fact, that is how often we live when we do not forgive. I was raised in a, in a home and a, and a church experience, an evangelical uh, experience, where we wanted to live right. But I believe the two major problems of most emotional problems among evangelical Christians are these, and I know it's true in my life. Number one is to the failure to understand, receive, and live out God's unconditional grace and forgiveness. And secondly, the failure to give out that unconditional love and forgiveness and grace to other people. 
And that first part is the one I want to focus on today. The failure to receive forgiveness. So many of us are like that servant in the parable because he misunderstood the offer. He didn't hear the message. And he left with a thought that I, just, I, I have more time. So I'm on this treadmill of anxiety and uh, this feeling that I still have this debt that I'm ungracious to everyone around me. Because he misunderstood the offer that the Lord gave him, he pled for an extension of time. How ludicrous. And what happened? The Lord in his mercy gave him more than he asked for, more than he could ever dream of. He released him and he forgave him all his debts. But the servant never heard what the Lord said to him. Never heard it heart deep. He thought what his master had he thought he got what he asked for. And what did he ask for? Patience and extension of time. Lord, please don't foreclose on my debt. Extend my promissory note a little longer, and I assure you I'll pay you everything I owe. And in his pride and his moral stupidity, he thought he could pay back $10 million if he was only given a little more time. But the master wiped out his debt. He didn't extend the note. He tore it up. He canceled it. He set him free from his debts, free from the threat of imprisonment. By his not hearing that message, by him not receiving that message, by him not being transformed by that message, he was kept in a debtor's prison of his own making, no matter where he was. Resentment, guilt, striving, and anxiety. The poor servant really couldn't believe the wonderful news. He couldn't receive it. He couldn't live it. He couldn't enjoy it. He thought he was still under a sentence as a debtor, and he simply had been given more time to work and to skimp and to save and to pay what he owed because he didn't realize the debt had been canceled. His hidden tormentors, resentment, guilt, Striving, anxiety, continued to work in him. He thought he had only more time to pay, and he needed to collect from others. And many of us are like that. Good Christian people. We read, we hear, and we believe a good theology about grace but that's not the way we live. We believe grace in our heads, but not at our gut level, in our feelings, and in our relationships, and in our hearts. There's no other word we can throw around more piously. We proclaim it as, distinctive, uh, as a distinctive of the Christian faith, that we are saved by grace alone through faith, but it's all on the head level. The good news of the gospel of grace has not penetrated to the level of our emotions and our relationships. It hasn't worked its way into those relationships. We rattle off the definition, grace is God's undeserved favor, but it is not in our feelings. It is not in our living. We don't go far enough. My message today is, listen up. 
hear it. Hear it. Hear it. It's said every time we come together. Every time we come into the sanctuary. Every time we are ushered into, into the throne of Christ with holy, holy, holy. And every time we are, the great holy king says, you're forgiven. The debt is gone. Go out and share it. Grace is not only God's undeserved mercy and favor, it is also unearned and can never be repaid. The failure to see and to know and to feel grace drives many Christians to, uh, to the tragic treadmill of performing, achieving, and anxiously striving. They try to get rid of their guilt. They try to atone and pay the debt. They read an extra chapter in the Bible. They extend their prayer time by another 10 minutes to half an hour. Then they go out and do some guilty service or witness. And what they have is salvation by promissory note. We are a community of grace. Disciples of grace. It's where it all begins. There is no, uh, there is so much more to say about our understanding and misunderstanding about forgiveness. There's so many twists and turns. We could talk about all different nuances about forgiveness. What about forgiveness? Um, I like to say forgiveness is not weak. It is hard as nails. It, what about taking responsibility? What about cheap grace and all of that? That's not what I'm talking about today. We've got to talk about getting us on the right path first. The healthy path as followers of the way is for us to begin at the throne of grace. Every Sunday, every message, every song, every interaction, every, uh, hear the message, hear the message, hear the message. The king is here. And he continues to say, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you're completely released. You are forgiven. Now go out into the world with this understanding that grace is given fully for it to be given. This is the word of the Lord for us today. Amen.